So I want to share something with you today. There's a, there's a thing that some would say, historians would say, well, it's a past thought, but it isn't. It's still with us. It's a thing called deism. You can hear the word deity in that. And deism is what many would say our founding fathers of this nation was and no more. And deism basically says this, that there was a God, a creator, and we still recognize the existence of God, higher power, in nature and in the power of reason. But since the days of creation, he's been indifferent, that he's not involved in our life. I think what we've experienced today, we say we don't really embrace that, do we? Because CDism simply says that uh, he created the world, but then he walked away from it. Some have expressed it as God was a big clockmaker. He created the clock, he wound it up, and then he walked away from it, and it's just running on its own. That's deism. The Word of God doesn't support that. Paul comes back to the Colossian church, and he said that God is before all things and in all things, and in him he holds all things together. How many knows God is the matrix? All, three, all things created by him and for him, for his good pleasure. The Hebrew writer says he upholds the universe. How many remember seeing a picture? All you men, when we were very young, we saw Charlie Atlas. Charlie Atlas was holding the world on his back. Well, we all wanted to be Charlie Atlas and get those big guns, right? But God is much more than Charlie Atlas because the Hebrew writer says that God upholds the world by the power of his word. He doesn't even have to put it on his back or shoulders. How many knows God still speaks? And his word speaks to us, so in that he upholds us through his word. Here's the good news today. We aren't deists. We believe that God is still involved and that we're still under construction presently. We're under construction. In other words, he didn't just create us and put us out there on his own, but he created us. He created us to, excuse me, He's still working on us, still creating in us. Aren't you glad that on this Sunday, he's still working on you? You may have got something last Sunday, but he's still working on you this Sunday. We're always under construction. How many have ever made a mistake? Can we get a little more honest? How many of us have ever sinned? Aren't you so glad that he's still creating and that he didn't just see us fail once and say, I've been waiting for this opportunity to squish you like a bug. But then his grace, he said, well, you still got some work that needs to be done on you. Some of us 
have made some horrendous failures in life. So much so that it stays with us on an ongoing process of thought. That it's become chronic. That we remember 1969, 1972, 1999, 2004, on and on. We can remember the date, the hour, the moment when we said that thing. That, oh, if we could just take it back. That we got involved in something. If we could just go back in a time machine and change that hour. But he's still working on us. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word as we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Just two verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding, in other words, nothing holding us back, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Turn to somebody standing next to you and say, man, this is going to be good. You may be seated. Yeah. We're an ongoing walking construction site, aren't we? Yeah. Work, hammering, chiseling, working on large areas of our life sometimes, sometimes just detailed areas. Some days we recognize that, I don't know, it's just kind of a thought, maybe somebody ought to put yellow construction tape around us and just a thought. And we just want to say, God's still working on me. And I need his help. Sometimes I need him just to take that hammer and go to work on me. And other times I'm at all with what just happened in my life. That in that moment, in that moment, God used me. It even impressed me because I didn't really see it coming. You ever been there? Words came out of your mouth. Wisdom. Silence when everybody else was talking. And you're like, whoa, that was God in me at work. And I got to be a part of it. Sometimes he's just polishing up an edge. You see, that freedom that Paul's telling this church in Corinth about is the freedom that we still have today. This freedom that liberates us from the tyranny of sin. That we don't have to bow to the power of Satan. Somebody would say, no, Pastor, you can't say Satan has power. Oh, the Word of God verifies that. You're foolish if you don't think Satan doesn't have power. 
And yet, that same power of the enemy who in those moments of failure is telling you, you'll never get away from me. You'll never get over this vice. You'll never get past this prejudice. Yeah. Just that work going on, right? And in that moment that the enemy says, you'll never get set free. You're reminded, no, he gave me freedom so that, yes, I recognize the power of Satan, but I don't have to be a slave to it any longer. How many of you have been delivered of something in your life? A rotten attitude, a particular vice that had you bound. But today you can say, it's no longer controlling me. This freedom sets us free from his power. And it also sets us free from the guilt of slavery. That I don't have, and we're, ta- we're not talking about denial. We're not talking about denial that says, oh, no, I never did that. Yeah, you did that. But I no longer am ensnared by it, enslaved by it. And yes, if I could take it back, oh, I would take it back. But here's the more powerful statement. That just proves how inept I was outside of the power of God. But by his power, by his love, and by his grace, I am not who I once was. I am a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, I'm a new person. And yet I may not be perfect yet. Turn to somebody and say, I'm not perfect yet. Now, don't respond back to him and say, yeah, we all know that. (laughs) Galatians 5 and 1 says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. That's why he set us free, so that we can have it, possess it, that we can be free. When that temptation comes and that battle is swirling in your mind, You can hold fast to his word and say, no, not this time. No, I'm not talking about my willpower. I'm talking about the power of his word in my life. Greater is he that is living inside of me, who's living in my heart, seated on the throne of my heart. Greater is he that's in me than this temptation that's screaming at me. That's freedom. Jesus put it this way. Those whom he sets free, the Son of God, is free indeed. 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 I love that word. That just has an exclamation mark right behind it, doesn't it? Indeed. It's got swagger to it. It's got attitude. Yeah. You see, that work continues. Building us up in our most holy faith. The power of the Holy Ghost in our life. Building us up. This indeed statement. Just say the word with me. Indeed. Indeed. Say it again. Indeed. Indeed. Put that in your vocabulary. 
and say, that's my word now. When the enemy comes against you, when the gates of hell belch its blasphemous statements towards you, with swagger in your faith, just say, indeed, devil, my God is still seated on the throne. Indeed, I'm free. Indeed, I'm free. Indeed, I'm free in fact. I am free in reality, and I am free in truth. I'm set free. Why can I say that? Because he set me free. He set me free. Indeed, he set me me free. Generational curses, they'll be debated forever. Are they real or not? The reality is this, it doesn't matter if they're real or not. These things show up in patterns. We see them in families' lives and we say, you'll never get past that. It was in your daddy, it was in your mother, it was in your grandparents, but you can stand in the faith and say, but indeed I have been set free. Jesus set me free. Indeed. Man, that's a good word. He's transforming us. Dr. Jeff, that's your favorite word, isn't it? Transformation. Transforming us. Sounds like something Hollywood wants to get a hold of. Maybe make some toys as a result. Transformers. You see that work's going on. Transforming. Present tense. It's still happening. Again, that walking construction site that we are each day, when a new opportunity comes that we've never faced before, there may be some chiseling, some sanding, some work shaping us for another season. Woo, come on, somebody. There's sometimes we walk into a situation And because of our availability to the Spirit, the Spirit gives gifts severally as He wills. And in that moment, well, there's Randy walking up in a construction site. Randy doesn't have all the details yet what's going on, but the Spirit is working in Randy's life. And in this moment that I've never faced previously, He is right there presently working in my life, shaping me. Oh, I got to tweak you just a little bit. Got to tweak you just a little bit. In my case, sometimes it's a whole lot, but because I'm going to use you today, Randy. Your prayer this morning was, Lord, use me any way you want to. Well, right now, I need you. So he's at work. He's not a God who created and said, you're on your own. He's not a God that just shaped you and said, okay, I gave you the best. Now see what you do with it. He's at work. Transforming us. This is the way Paul told the Romans. He said, the God who foreknew you predestined you. Predestined you for what? Called you for what? To be conformed? transformed to the image of Christ. 
So he foreknew us, predestined, called, justified, put us in position, and has already glorified us. But we look in the mirror and say, I don't see any glorified yet, but we're missing it. We're missing it because you see, we're still wanting to see the finished product. He's still at work. He's transforming us. The goal is for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. Most of us would say, I don't feel worthy of that. But you see, that's what he's at work, that he's doing. Others sees it in us at times. How many has ever come to you and said, man, I'm so glad you're in my life. You always have the right thing to say. God must have sent you my way today. I needed this, and you gave me the very thing I prayed for. How many has ever been there? You see, that's those moments of construction. We didn't know what he was doing, per se, but we hear it from somebody else. How long has it been since someone's come to you and say, I don't say this often enough, but, and they'll call your name. You mean so much to me. You're always faithful. You're always consistent. You're always positive. You're always cheerful. You're always helpful. You don't get pulled into gossip. You, you don't get into smutty jokes. You don't do, you don't do this, but you do this, you do this. I'm so glad you're in my life. How long has it been since somebody said that to you? You see, you're being conformed to that image. It's not an external standard that you're being measured by. It's the work of the Spirit that's in us. That transformation, that grace that he has in our life, he's cultivating a true, genuine spirituality. The simple message is this, God's still at work. There's a poem, I've read it many a time, typically at a funeral, but I just, I just today, some of you have never heard this, and some will say, I heard it in that context of a funeral, but I want you to hear it in the context of you today, and it's simply entitled, The Weaver. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I may not choose the colors. He knows what they should be. For he can view the pattern upon the upper side, while I can see it only on this, the underside. Sometimes he weaveth sorrow, which seems strange to me. But I will trust his judgment and work as faithfully. Tis he who fills the shuttle. He knows just what is best. So I shall weave in earnest and leave with him the rest. It's not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly. Shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why? The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. You see, the big picture is this. Paul wrote to Titus and simply said, we are being justified, being, present tense, being justified by his grace that we might become heirs of eternal life. We are being justified. So that tells us in the sequence, he already 
Ted, he already foreknew you before your parents knew you. And while he was shaping you in your mother's womb, he was predestining things for you. Along the way, you heard the call and you answered. And now, this position of being justified. We see glimpses of the glorified, but we don't see all of it yet, just like this poet captured in that poem. We're not seeing all the tapestry yet. You ever looked at a tapestry on the underside? All those knots, all those strings hanging down. How many says that looks like my life? Just <laughs> strings and knots. Globs of dark. And then somebody flips it over and you get to see the work of the artist before it's complete, but you can see where it's going. Whoa! It's beautiful. I can't wait to see the finished product. And it helps us to know what he is doing in our life. He's at work. So the big picture is that we're being justified. But, oh, this will thrill you. There's a pattern here of the day by day of the chiseling, of the hammering, of the finishing touches, of the sanding, of the drilling. When he simply says, Philippians 2 and 13, it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work in you for his good pleasure. It is God who puts, and I shared this a few weeks ago, the same verse, it is God who puts the will in you, the desire in you. How many of you want to do good things tomorrow? You know how that thought got there? He did that. You're a walking construction site. He's already ahead of us. He's the same yesterday, today. He's already in our tomorrow. He's already there. And he's putting in us today what we'll need tomorrow. How many times have you recognized the work of the Spirit in your life? When now in the moment of crisis, You've already been skilled and trained for what you're facing now. How many has been there? And you realize, oh my goodness, that's why I went through that yesterday. That's why I went through that last month. I had no idea. Matter of fact, at the time, I was belly aching. But now I realize why I went through that. Because now I have the resolve to stand strong in the faith. He prepared me. He shaped me. He molded me for such a time as this. He schooled me when I didn't even like class and I wanted to play hooky. When the teacher was so boring, but he was downloading in me something that the Holy Ghost will bring to remembrance later down the road. He's working day by day. It is God who is at work. It is God who is working in you, both to will and, here's the word, and to work. God's at work. It's not just there. How many knows Romans 8, 28? We know that good. There's that word again. That's what I preached a few weeks ago. But the other word is emphasized today. Romans 8, 28 is what? We know all things worketh together. Worketh together, worketh together for the good. 
He's working. God puts both the will to work and the work power in me. And I know in all things, good comes out of it because he's working. Philippians 1 and 6, we're sure of this, that he who began a good work Look in the mirror of his, of his word right now in your spirit and see yourself. He that began this good work in you. When you bowed your knee and confessed with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, everything changed for you. The paradigm shifted. He began a good work in me as a 10-year-old boy praying at an altar on the east side of Hamilton, Ohio, 250 Hancock Avenue. Raised in a Christian home, raised in that church. But it was that moment that Randy, Randall Brian Brooks, the fourth born of Lyman and Jean Brooks, said, Jesus, come into my heart. He began a good work right then. And he that began a good work shall bring it to completion. For 53 more years, he's still been working on me since that moment. Over half a century of grace is before you today. And he's still working on me. Not because I'm such a mistake. He's still fine-tuning. Ooh, I love that. Some things uh, just get better with age. You know, I would have appreciated a few more amens on that. A little slow today, aren't you, people? Huh? There's a song that the hemp pills wrote and basically the children sang it he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be it took him just a week to make the moon and the stars the sun and the moon and Jupiter and Mars how loving and patient he must be cause he's still working on me Here's the verse, first verse. There really ought to be a sign upon my heart. Don't judge him yet. There's an unfinished part. But I'll be better just according to his plan, fashioned by the master's loving hands. Jim, there's hope for you. <laughs> See what you get if you sit in the first two rows? I've already got Stephanie and I got Jim. Hang on. I already talked to Chris. Hang on, Hope. There's hope for hope. Second verse. In the mirror of his word, reflections that I see, makes me wonder why he never gave up on me. But he loves me as I am and helps me when I pray. Remember, he's the potter and I'm the clay. For he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, 
the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Here's what I want to finish with. Amen. Amen. I got the interpretation, folks. That is good preaching going on. That's God hammers on my head. Yeah. First Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, set you apart completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at his coming. He who calls you is faithful. <laughs> and I love the last part. For he will surely do it. Indeed. Stand with me today.